Welcome to the Oil and Gas DEI Podcast, where we explore the energy industry through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Listen to top leaders from around the world share their experience and insights for building a more inclusive and diverse workforce. Now, here's your host, Kim Ali. Welcome back, everyone, to the DEI and Energy Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Ali. DNI consultant, speaker, and travel addict. And today we have the renowned Carlos Ayala, Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion of NYSource. But before we start, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor, Diversity Atlas. Diversity Atlas is the world's first cultural diversity analytics platform, offering a comprehensive and inclusive cultural diversity mapping tool that helps organizations engage celebrate, and transform their diverse teams to unlock the true value of diversity. So if you want to know how DEI can be measured, understood, whether it's for your workforce transformation, ESG strategy, or to achieve economic and social growth, please reach out to Diversity Atlas and the link will be in the show notes. All right, so let's dive right into it. So I am super excited today and I'll tell you why. So Carlos and I have been connected on LinkedIn for over a year now. And my initial impression was just, he's just super nice. Like he responded to all of my DMs. Back then, most people would ignore me, (laughs) but he always responded and even shared some opportunities with me. Then about a month ago, NYSource was listed as the top 10 energy companies in Forbes under Best Employers for Diversity in 2023. And that is huge. That is a big freaking deal. But when I think about it, honestly, I'm not surprised because if you were so kind to me, someone you barely knew, then I can only imagine what your relationship is like with your team. And so for that, Carlos, I want to say kudos to you and more leaders need to emulate you. So without further delay, if you can share your background with the listeners, because you have a unique journey. So I would love for them to hear about that. Well, thank you, uh, Kim. Appreciate the kind words. You know, my leadership journey actually began when I first arrived in the U.S. at the age of nine. I met my mother for the first time, met my stepfather for the first time, foreign country, foreign language. And to me, that journey began just kind of helping me shape up who I am today. And a lot of kudos goes to my mother, who I would say probably instilled in me um, three key words that really have stuck with me in my own leadership journey. The first one was probably commitment, making sure that I'm committed to everything that I do. And I thought that was important. The other one is having the desire, right? The desire to do what's right, the desire to wake up in the morning and really go to work feeling energized. And to me, that was probably important, which kind of co-leads into the third word, which is basically passion, right? If any of those three are broken, I think that in my leadership journey, I would say that the success that I've had is because all three have been aligned. And so that's probably where I would contribute my success to from a leadership journey. I would say that I've been extremely fortunate, blessed. A lot of individuals gave me opportunities early in my career. And I think it's also important for me to give that back to either our employees or organizations that I work for. You know, the example you gave to as far as reaching out, 
Um, when you reached out to me, yes, to me, it's so important that, you know, when individuals, people of color or females reach out seeking career opportunities, I think it's our job as leadership, regardless of where you sit in the organization, to make sure that you take five minutes to basically respond back to people and say, hey, what can I do to help you? I think that's part of the equity and the equitable opportunities that we must create for people across organizations. Wow. You know, you triggered something. I'm going to show you something. Listeners, you can't see this, but can you see this? No, I sure do. Desire. My mom gave this to me and she told me that things will get hard on your journey, but as long as you keep that desire, you will always be successful. So, wow. Uh, Listeners, I just showed, I have a plaque on my desk and it says desire on it. And that's one of Carlos's pillars that he just mentioned. So that is... It's creepy. Okay. A line. We're a line. We're a line. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So your journey is unique. I've never seen a background like this. You started out as a political appointee to the U.S. Department of Commerce. So how did you go from that to DNI in the corporate world? Well, obviously, being of Hispanic descent, I think it's always been part of my DNA. And working at Commerce, where I worked on international trade issues, minority business, travel and tourism, I think the passion grew as I started realizing that special niche of what I bring to the table to an organization. And obviously, you know, I would say that if you go back 20, 25 years, the DNI vocabulary wasn't as visible or accepted across organizations. So my journey basically has taken me from when we used to call it multicultural, we called it ethnic, we called it DNI. And along the way, I think I've always been linked to it in some form or fashion, regardless of what organization I've been in. And for me, probably I would say the broad range of both domestic experience and international experience have kind of helped really shape up for me the direction that I want to go. And so as I join organizations and some of the organizations that I've been fortunate enough to lead in this effort, I would say that The key thing has always been to really just assess what organizations are in their own journey. Mm. And the assessment piece is probably the most critical thing anyone can do when you join an organization because not every organization was ready to move forward. And taking the time to really just reflect where the organization is from a leadership commitment, organizational structures, and having been here now two years... I would say that for me, the greatest opportunity was just to really help the organization further the commitment and the effort that we at NYSource have been leading with this charge for the last several years. I'm excited to lead the work and excited to be a part of the organization. Well, that is evident because not only did you just make the Forbes list, you have been recognized as one of the top 100 diversity officers, which again is huge. So can you share an initiative that contributed to this recognition? It's interesting. For me, I would say that probably supporting and embedding DNI across the organization by really strengthening our culture, our awareness of DNI, creating opportunities, whether it's strategic partners, sourcing opportunities. I think anything I can do to basically drive our DNI efforts across the organization. For me, those are the things that are rewarding. But I would say probably along the way, I would say that I have appreciated 
the work that so many what I would call DNI champions have kind of cleared the path for me to lead and drive. And here at NiceSource, you know, we've had some great work that's been done. And I've come in and basically just began the process of evolving it and taking it to the next level. So whether it's been like, for instance, rolling out DNI across the globe or launching ERGs in an organization, you know, those things are great opportunities that I've seen that have been exciting for me personally to lead in the organizations. But the one that I would say that stands out that I'm extremely proud of, I would probably say launching diversity of slate across organizations and having the ability to influence and reshape the ability for organizations to increase the diverse representation of both females and people of color have been critical and extremely rewarding for me. And the reason why is because, if you recall, I told you I came to the U.S. at the age of nine. And my mother being an illegal immigrant, I think someone gave her the opportunity to get resident status for me to be here in the U.S. And I think if you think about the work of Diversity of Slate, ensuring that we create opportunities for all people, people of color and our females, I think that's always my own personal mission and organizations. So I would say probably that's one of the things that I've been extremely proud of. Well, thank you so much. I do want to circle back on something you said, and I'm going to ask you because I'm sure listeners would want to know as well. You mentioned DNI champions. What does that role look like within an organization? So DNI champions are individuals that I believe identify that really reflect some of the things that we're trying to do in an organization, right? To create the awareness, driving it across the organization. And so I took a step back about a year ago and I started looking at our leadership, how diverse we were, some of the things that they're involved in and some of the volunteer opportunities. And so if you go to our website, we created these DNI champions. And we really started highlighting some of the things that they're doing to drive DNI and how they bring some of those learnings and opportunities from externally from some of the organizations that they support from the DNI lens. And to me, these are the individuals that are helping drive, embed, educate internally, and bringing those different perspectives that allow all of us to drive DNI across the organization. Now, do you have to be in a leadership position to be a DEI champion? Of course not. No, I mean, to me, a champion doesn't matter where you sit. Champions are the ones that really believe and are passionate to help transmit the voice, right? Transmit what DNI is all about, help individuals learn about inclusion, microaggressions, unconscious biases creating opportunities from a business standpoint. Those are also, to me, champions that really are the ones that are helping drive the change in organizations. You know, let me share something with you. One of our employee resource groups just did a, what we call real talk. And the real talk was we brought in three individuals from one particular area of the organization. And I thought it was critical that we start out with our executive admins Mm. as part of the real talk. Because if you think about admins and organizations, they're the ones really helping to open the doors for me to go in and really get to know leadership. Mm. 
they're the ones that are actually the DNI champions because they know what's going on and they're the ones that are also helping embed DNI. So I found that extremely rewarding just listening to them on the way their own experience have shaped them and how they also are driving DNI across their organization. Wow. I love that. And this is called real talk. Real talk. <laughs> wow. I love that. All right. So our next question is, now, previously, I've had guests from SLB, Baker Huge, which are very large organizations. So my question for you is, can you share an example of how you navigate DEI in a large matrix organization like NISource? So first of all, I would say understanding where leaders are in their own personal journey. I would say that to me is, you know, taking time to get to know people, get to know what really motivates them, what are some of the business challenges, what are they really in need of? And I would say that that probably has sparked the conversation of the value and the importance of DNI across the organization. So getting to know leaders, connecting with them, what's important, their challenges, taking time to really reflect on their own DNI experiences. I would say that that probably has helped me navigate the organization, which has also allowed me to understand, okay, who do I need to work with more to help them understand DNI a little bit better, provide different perspectives, you know, and most importantly, get them feeling comfortable to talk about the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say that that's probably has been the greatest strength that I've been able to kind of leverage across the organization because look, this isn't an easy topic and we all have our own opinions. We all have our own beliefs, perspectives, and I just want to meet leaders where they are. I want to meet our employees where they are. I want to be conscientious and respectful on that. I embrace and support the perspectives and my job is to figure out how do I create these, what I would call, how do I become the bridge connector for Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. So they see DNI as something that we all can rally against versus something that's not for me. And so the more that I can get people to understand it, the more I think that we can drive the change throughout the organization. Mm, okay. And your response is the perfect segue into the next question. You just shared how you were able to hone in on your strengths, but what have been some of the challenges and how were you able to overcome those obstacles? Well, we know that change is difficult for people. Yeah. I'll start there. But I'm extremely fortunate here at NiceSource. I mean, you know, we have leadership commitment at the top, which includes our board of directors, you know, our NiceSource leadership, and they understand it, they support it, and they want to make sure that we continue to drive it for the future. You know, the challenges for me are probably not having enough time in the day to be able to address the concerns, issues happening throughout, right? And making sure that all employees know that their voice is important and how do I drive that change? And that to me is just, there's not enough hours in the day to be able to get back to everybody as quickly as possible as they would like. That is true. That is true. (laughs) Boy, do I know. All right. So ESG, social responsibility is a hot topic right now. And so what role do you see DE&I playing in the energy industry's future when it comes to social responsibility and sustainability? Well, I think if an organization hasn't evaluated where to go or really figured out how to embed DE&I as part of the ESG efforts, I think there might be a missed opportunity. 
I would say that probably for us, you know, we look at the workforce, right? How do we embed it across the organization? How do we drive and increase our representation across the organization to really make sure that that our workforce really reflects our communities? And because we know that if we invest in our communities, right, and especially in the territories that we do business in, that we will be more successful. Making sure that we do the right thing for the customers, right? Supporting our diverse and unique customers is key for us. So we strive basically to ensure that we're doing the right things, not only in our communities, but also serving our customers in the best of our abilities. And then the other thing is probably making sure that there is what I would call the strength of our supplier diversity in our communities, Mm. right? And knowing that this isn't just a short-term effort, but there's a long-term implications associated with us as an organization to be able to move forward in the space of ESG. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, DNI is a long game. It is not something that you do overnight and expect to get results the next day. The average strategy is three to five years. So just wanted to <laughs> emphasize that. Now, the next question might be a loaded question. It could potentially be its own episode. But I want to ask you, if you had a chance to change one thing in the current DNI landscape, what would it be and why? I knew you were going to ask a tough question today. <laughs> I said this could be its own episode. I know. I know. <laughs> I think a lot of us in the DNI space are so committed to making and impacting organizations. And I would say if there's one thing that I would counsel people is we need to learn how to take the emotional piece out of the work and really help organizations understand the facts. And the reason why that is so critical is because we're all emotionally charged on the topic. We all live it. We breathe it. We feel it every day in our communities, in the workforce. And I think at times, I think I have to take a step back and say, is it in the best interest of the organization Mm -hmm. versus my own perspective or opinion about the topic? And that would probably be one thing that I would recommend and help change as it relates to DNI across the organization. Just that having that global perspective versus that local perspective, I think is key for all of us. Yeah. I love that you have that self-awareness because this can be a sensitive, emotional topic. And I see it on LinkedIn all the time, especially now consultants are lashing out and becoming frustrated and you lose people when you take that approach. And I think another strategic approach to what's happening now is to educate people that DEI is just not about race or gender. There's so many facets to it. For example, introvert or extroverts in the workplace, who gets promoted easier, the disability, wellness. There's so many components to DEI that can drive change within organizations, not just employee-wise, but financially as well. And so I think taking a step back and looking Like you said, what is important to the organization? What will benefit us the most? I think the ones who can do that will be the ones who can stay in the game a little bit longer. The interesting part about what you just described is really, if you really think about DE&I, right? You talked about communication, really helping people or meeting people where they are is so critical. Yes. 
right? And politically, everybody has their own political views, perspectives. But the key is making sure that we are inclusive enough to value everybody's perspectives, opinions, thoughts, and having the ability to basically formulate a, a good strategic plan to be in a position to say, okay, from a DNI perspective, we need to move this way where we need to move that way. Yeah. And then having the ability to say that strategic agility to say, this makes sense. This doesn't yeah. make sense for the organization. Yes, yes exactly. Absolutely. And also just to, to close what you just said out, in our industry, I don't foresee DNI going anywhere just because of the transition, right? We need everyone at the table. We need diversity of thought. We need diversity of skills in order to pull this off. We need the workforce to pull this off, right? So I think our industry is unique in that respect. I don't know. How do you feel about that? No, I completely agree. I think that's right. And what you just said is spot on. The fact that we need a diverse workforce to be able to drive change, impact our communities, impact our customers, right? That is what makes DNI great. And I think organizations have to realize that, you know, a lot of these organizations are probably already ahead of the curve. And we just need to make sure that we're also catching up and creating that equality across the board yes. uh, where it makes sense for your own organization. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are coming down to the home stretch. So one more question for you. There are a lot of executives listening to this podcast. And so what insights would you share with them, right? These are executives in the energy industry. They want to implement DEI, but they aren't quite sure where to begin. What advice would you give them? Well, I would definitely say that assessing where the organization is and really pinpointing where the opportunities might be. I think you need some quick wins just to demonstrate to the organization the importance of it. But I also think you need to lay out a long-term vision of where you want to head with the organization. I would probably say that if I could give anybody a key is our communities have changed and we must be willing to change with those communities. So the demographic profile of some of these or you know cities, towns, wherever you might live, Right. That is your biggest focus group that you can leverage to highlight the importance of whether it's supplier diversity, product offerings, services, technology opportunities, right, which all require that different lens and be in a position to just say, okay, I'm going to leverage this and how is this applicable to a DNI perspective? I think that's the key for organizations. So being open to change is not just about leadership, but it's also about us as practitioners to make sure that we're doing the right things for our customers, our workforce, and the organizations moving forward. Yes. And you mentioned a quick win. What would a quick win look like? Well, a quick win would probably be if an organization doesn't have an employee resource group, right? Having the ability to launch an employee resource group to reflect some of the communities that you might be doing business in, to give you insights on the customers, give you insights on how our employees are feeling. How do we do a better job in engaging? How do you drive that inclusivity across the board? And you can't say, I'm going to go launch, you know, 10, 15 different ERGs. (laughs) But I would say, if you can just say, I'm going to start one and evolve from that. I think those are the quick wins that you can demonstrate to leadership, the overall impact that you're having on the engagement right? Or your engagement scores, if you do those. And those are what I would say, some of the quick wins 
for any organization to say, okay, I get it. I'm fully embracing it. Mm, Perfectly said. I love it. Thank you, Carlos. All right. So I'm sure after this insightful interview, listeners will want to get in contact with you. So what is the best way to reach out to you? Well, you can always find me on LinkedIn, <laughs> so which is great. Uh, Carlos Ayala, and you can always find me through our Nice Source website. And But I would say that LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me. Yes, he's very responsive. <laughs> and do you have any events or initiatives coming up that you want to share with the listeners? It could be at Nice Source, it could be your own personal event. For me, obviously, the important thing is we at Nice Source are so committed to our communities. And I'm proud to tell you that our states are always in the community, whether it's supporting, sponsoring, volunteering efforts to really be a part of the communities. And I think, you know, every month we have something going on, whether it's a volunteer opportunity. or And so if you see our nice source, NIPSCO, Columbia Gas teams, say hello, and they'll be extremely excited to hear from you. All right. Everyone, you heard it. Please follow Carlos. And we are closing it out today. In the meantime, remember, diversity is not a buzzword. It is a key driver of innovation and growth. So let's keep the conversation going by sharing our stories and building an equitable energy industry together. So until next time, stay curious, stay open-minded, and stay tuned for more DEI insights and conversations on the DEI and Energy podcast. See you on the next episode. Come back next week for another episode of Oil and Gas DEI, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.